Greetings folks and welcome to episode 4 of the Conclave. Before we get into the show I just wanted to point out that what you're about to hear was actually recorded at the beginning of October. This was before we had the great news from Frontier about the support for a certain Oculus Rift. Please bear that in mind when listening to the views expressed. Thank you and now on with the show. Greetings and welcome to The Conclave. The Conclave is Lave Radio's invitation show where we ask members of the elite community to join us to talk about the hot topics of the elite dangerous development journey. Tonight we talk about that video. We also discuss what we would and wouldn't like to see in the first five hours of booting up Elite Dangerous. And then we whiz off into the future and talk about where we hope to see Elite Dangerous in five or ten years time. So without any further preamble, let's introduce the panel for this episode. Starting off with Kirk. Hi, I'm Splints from the forum. And joining Kirk, we have John. Hi there. Uh, you probably know me as Crash. And we also have uh, my brother, Martin. Hi, I'm Martin Forrester. I'm the host of Fourth Down and Out and Not on the Forums. And we have the familiar voice of Lay Radio's Chief of Operations, Mr. John Stabler. Good evening. And we've unleashed him from the editing desk of Retro Lave. We also have Mr. Grant Walcott joining us tonight. Good evening, and I'm Seiko Go from the Forums. Great stuff. Okay, so kicking off the show tonight, we have the icebreaker question. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the past three weeks, you will have missed that Frontier Developments have released a video created using the in-game engine depicting a battle scene with two large capital ships. Uh, we have obviously talked about this on the Lay Radio Emergency broadcast, but for those who haven't, we were wondering what your thoughts. So in this one, we'll start off with John. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I, I I was quite lucky in a way because I, I went on holiday just before, um, so I came back to a lot of info. It was it was great. I mean, I I, I was glad to see something moving finally. It, it was good to see it. It was in engine. It was definitely in engine. I, I meticulously analysed the edges of various pixels and things. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, it was uh, the it was mostly on a rail, you know, because of the uh, uh, the shots and uh, the animation were set play out uh, more like uh, an introduction or a cinematic or something but uh, still even even so it, it absolutely blew me away when I saw it I want more of it now that's the problem I've come back to all this information I want more <laughs> is there anything specifically that you saw about the in-game engine or about how the ships looked or what the weapons looked like anything uh, from the video that says yeah I can't wait for this game now I think the uh, the seamless HUD uh, and the way that uh, the, the the camera angle just rotated around as if you were just looking at another section of your cockpit, and then it came back up to the to the main view, uh, and the uh, the way that the ships decelerated back into normal space. I think that was that was just class. That was the the moment when I was, I was looking at this and thinking, I cannot wait to see my friends jump in beside me. Yeah, no, absolutely agree with that. Uh, Kirk, what's your thoughts? I was blown away by it, really, and uh, certainly. Like John said, it was the thump as you arrived out of hyperspace. I wasn't sure that's where we were at the time. There was no other indication, and I'm not entirely sure why you were outside the galaxy at the time. But the rest of it just blew me away. I went through the whole thing frame by frame, just checking out various parts of the graphics, the models, etc. I was quite surprised myself with that. But overall, I thought it was amazing. The, the laser shots across the, the hull looked great, although I think the smoke itself was the thing that was most out of scale. Okay. 
Martin, now obviously, I should maybe give it a little bit of a little bit of an introduction for you. You don't actually have a PC that will run Elite Dangerous, nor do you really intend to play the game. So, how have you sort of got involved in the universe? Well, it helps when your brother runs a podcast about it, obviously. But no, I'm I'm more interested in what's going on with the community, what's going on around the game, uh, stuff like the books that are being written. That's m- more of my interest. But when it comes to the video, I have to say it's it's gone a long way to getting me sold on the idea of buying that game. I was very impressed by the video. I'd love to know how much of it is actually the game itself that they've said that there's been a bit of touching up after after it was finished and they've also said it's all in-game engine but it doesn't really give you an idea of how it plays but i have to say i was most impressed with the video and it's getting me closer and closer actually putting my hand in my pocket and buying this game so yeah there's actually going to be a uh, a deconstruction of that video coming up in the next um next week or so which will actually help us see what was actually made with the in-game engine and you know what was done after effects and uh, how the various different departments actually got together to to make that video. But what about the video itself, bro? What what did you actually like? What what aspects got you hot under the collar about it? Well, one thing that's always concerned me about Elite, one thing that's put me off, so to speak, is I, I remember too well your um, efforts with Elite when we were younger, and it just seemed to me as though trading was the only thing the only thing that was important. And every now and again, there'd be the odd gunfight, and that. That just didn't interest me, if that makes sense. But looking at this, it looks like they're going all out for the action part of the game. That's what I'd be interested in if I was ever going to buy this game. So I've always been worried that there'd be no mission fronts and it would all be about the trade. But this is kind of convincing me that, in fact, you can get the action part of it as well. And that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, definitely. And certainly um, one of the things that we all wondered about when the game was first announced was whether or not you were actually going to be able to make a living just being a bounty hunter just doing the combat and you know putting the trade to one side and yeah from what we've seen so far it looks like that actually might be a a possibility john and sorry we won't call you john because we've got two johns on the show tonight so uh, we'll call you stabler uh, from now on anything else that you've seen in that video that yeah you didn't talk about in the emergency broadcast no excellent grant yes i think the one thing it really did well was it set out a story, and that really demonstrates how this Elite game is going to contribute to roleplay, which I think is one of the key features at catching the younger players, because that's what they like to do. They like to feel that they're playing that role, that that commander is a character in a movie, and that whole video was nothing but an amazing space-age science fiction Elite-based movie. And it just set a tone for, I just hope I'm out there one time and I get a distress signal. And it, Well, maybe it'll be John Stabler and I can say no. But <clears throat> it might just be that you say yes and before you know it, you're in a massive space battle and wishing you'd declined uh, and trying to limp your spaceship out of there. And that's the kind of gameplay that leaves you running around trying to find somebody who's still awake at that hour of night to tell about it, you know, and making these phone calls. Oh, you've got to see this game. It's amazing. I've just spent 25 minutes trying to get my ship out of trouble that I got myself into. And that's just so exciting. It just really, really makes me look forward with just great anticipation at what can I do in this game. Great stuff. Okay, well, the first topic of the show is that of tutorials, or rather what we are just going to call the first five hours. The original Elite had no tutorial. It came with a manual and a storybook. The manual told you what buttons to press, and the Dark Wheel novella helped you form a picture of the Elite universe in your head. 
However, neither of them are there to help you as you scrape the remains of your Cobra Mark III off the side of the space station you had just attempted to dock with. Uh, Similarly, Frontier provided a great manual and a great work of fiction to help the new player, but no in-game guidance or tutorial. Uh, On Retrolave, we've discussed how the culture of RTFM, or Read the Fricking Manual, has disappeared from the gaming world and has been replaced with in-game tutorials or pseudo-walkthroughs that introduce the player to the game universe and how they interact with it. With this in mind, what do we want to see in the latest instalment from Frontier Developments? What should the first five hours look like? I'm going to throw this one straight over to Mr. Stabler. Um, Well, what I don't want to see is uh, some hand-holding tutorial which lasts for five hours. Definitely not. Uh, I I did like the way that Frontier and Elite kind of treated you as an adult and said, look, here's the game, put it in. Uh, If you want to know how it works, use the manual. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that that's the approach they should take because I think that they need to engage with a kind of different audience. So I would like to see something that throws people into the action and can teach them the basics, so they're not left, you know, looking at the you know the spinning Coriolis station and, and and smashing into it all the time. I think they do need something, but I think that this um, tutorial. Really, the secondary part of it should be teaching people how to actually use the controls. I'm more interested in engaging with people and making sure that they like the game, they don't get turned off. So it really needs to engage with, with them. And like Grant said, you know, you know, make these kids think that they're in some kind of like epic movie and they've just been thrown in there and anything can happen. And so that's what I'd like to see happening at the introduction rather than focusing on, oh, do a barrel roll. And then they do a barrel roll and it says, right, great. Now you know how to, you know, I want them to try and avoid that as much as possible. Okay, so you want to see more of a, I don't know, sort of like an intro movie walkthrough as opposed to, uh, hi, you've just joined flight school. Let's go out there in your first Sidewinder mission. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd like to see it that, you know, you're already in space or something like that, perhaps. And, okay, maybe you want to do the docking, but personally, I think that the first thing they should do is go and shoot somebody up, you know, because that teaches you how to fly and also teaches you offense. And just, you know, I mean, that capital ship video, I mean, imagine if that was the tutorial, you were one of those fighters. You know, I know it it seems like you're, you're kind of throwing them in at the deep end, but that would, you know, people would love that. Yeah, if that was the uh, intro, John, the uh, the sidewinder that got blown up, that would probably be me. Uh, Grant? Yes, well, I think there's a couple of things I'd like to see as an introduction. And I think one of the key ways to do it is, with the manuals now all being e-manuals anyway, create the in-game manual. Um, And it can be as simple as, well, I've got issues docking, so you can call up your little in-game manual through the menu system uh, on the sort of HUD, and it will say, you know, help docking and all this kind of stuff. And it can play a little video on your head-up display as a sort of mini television screen so that you can be the character learning how to do stuff in the game. But I think as a start, it should be the first thing that Frontier should do is try to create the emotional attachment with the spaceship because that's key. So I can picture um, if we went for what John was suggesting there that maybe you're uh, on a carrier of some sort or cruise ship of some sort and then it's attacked and then you find yourself you know getting picked up by another ship and then dropped off at the local station and then you've got to pick 
you know, they give you a, some kind of insurance payout and settlement and you get to pick your starter ship. And then you get a wee walk around in a lovely sort of motion from Top Gear um, with all the features being demonstrated to you. You then get to name it and then you get to jump into it and take it out. But that's going to be a bit redundant when you're going for a sandbox mode if everybody has the same intro. So I can't see that working. But as lovely as it would be, I'd love to be able to do, to see that kind of um, animated intro here's your ship now go and take it off but the key things are it has to be instantly playable at the very basic level forget all the advanced maneuvers and things but if it doesn't feel like you're in control of that ship without looking at a manual without bothering to even click on any introductions then you're going to lose a good percentage of people that are just going to go i can't be arsed and i think if it's instantly i'm flying the ship and i feel like i'm flying the ship everything else will fall into place and you can have these little video tutorials in your cockpit and uh, maybe even in stations you can have training that you can go through so that you can actually elect to take little courses maybe have flight instructions you know where you can in a station where there could be a flight instructor that you can then pay some credits towards taking you out and uh, taking you through a briefing if you so desire okay kirk what do you reckon do you think it needs to be instantly accessible Definitely. I, I think you need to, I, I don't know whether you want to start out in space or, or whether you prefer to, to launch yourself on a station when you're ready. I, I know it's mentioned on Lave Radio about simulators, but you don't really need simulators, I think, if the first set of missions that you can pick up are so easy that they become tutorials. So they're designed to be succeeded with. I think there's a, a, always a big risk that if you make it too difficult, and people are turning off before they realise how good it is. I think that's a bit of a waste. I'm not a big fan, although I don't have patience when it comes to listening to pre-recorded stuff a lot of the time. So an intro scene is quite nice, but when it involves somebody droning on and droning on, when I could have quickly read it off the screen, I think I prefer an easy set of missions to, 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 to lead you into the game. And then, you know, if you're not interested in that, if you want to go flying out and, and, and just wing it as it were but certainly you know having having an in-game manual is a, is a far better idea than a book i think okay would you say easy but would still be possible to fail what uh, what comes to my mind automatically is uh the the great grand theft auto 5 that everybody's talking about at the moment there is a mission straight off the bat where you're thrown into um basically it's a flashback scene where you you're doing this heist and you're taking part in this heist and all the time that I'm playing it, where I'm being explained that I can jump from one character to another and this is how aiming works and this is how you run around, etc., etc., I knew that no matter how grandiose the big explosions and everything else that were going on around me were, I knew that I wouldn't die. And to a certain degree, uh, that sort of spoiled it for me. So when you're talking about these easy missions, are you talking about missions that, you know, okay, so the basic level of difficulty is low, but yes, you know, if you crash into the side of the space station, you will still die. Uh, yes, I, I think if, you, if you're a complete numpty, then, then you probably deserve to die. But I, I think it's just easy to achieve. So if one of them, if a mission you pick is, is just to go and pick something up from outside the space station and then come back again, and then that's all it is. And at least they've accomplished something and they can move on for it. I think the original Elite, I remember trying to dock and trying to dock. Now, I didn't have anything else to play at the time. And, and I was, I don't know, young enough, stupid enough just to keep trying and keep trying until I got it. I don't think that would work at all. But I also don't like big, long, 
chatty missions where you're listening to someone trying to act, etc. Because they're not most of the time. And that's a personal preference, I think. But certainly I think if the mission is just go out and shoot something that's inevitable, that if you hit it once, it's going to die, then at least it's done. Um, so yeah, so yeah, maybe for example, another very easy mission would be uh, you know pick up these radioactives, fly to Slough, that teaches you how to use your galactic map and stuff, and then uh, and the, jet- you know, the you jettison a- button as well. Exactly, you know, it teaches you how to jettison radioactives outside the Slough uh, orbit, which is always useful. Okay, um, John, what do you reckon? Yeah, I agree in general what everyone's been saying here. I, I do like the idea of you know being able to have a huge in-game encyclopedia that you can call up at any point for uh, for reference i much prefer the idea of rather than having a fixed tutorial which forces you to I, I hate that style of play which has become popular um i mean i, I think back to my the, my first experience of world of warcraft where uh, you start off in a nice fresh zone there's a couple of easy missions you can carry on doing if you want to and it teaches you the basics and I think even then, even though I didn't really know the game, I just decided to up and walk in a direction to one of the harshest locations I could possibly go to. I think Elite needs to have that same sort of openness. So uh, if if you want to, there's, there's going to be a set of... Uh, uh, of prompts saying, well, you can do this if you want, you know, and and you can just completely ignore it. And it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, we're we're all veterans. We're we're just going this way. Leave us alone. Uh, I th- I think having that kind of the option, I think, is the key key thing there. I mean, I'm just thinking back to, to when this um this shift came about from you know, the old style manuals that you had on the PCs to uh, you know to all these sort of interactive tutorials, and. Um, yeah, I think it probably came with the advent of consoles, which is probably a good point to bring my brother in because uh, I was always a PC player, uh, and yeah, I'm sure he'll attest to the fact that you know all the games I had had nice big boxes, had nice big manuals, and yet when Martin moved out, he went and became a console player, and I just don't think that manuals became as prevalent, or maybe it was the the generation of people that were playing on consoles weren't interested in reading the manuals, bro. Yeah, I mean, uh, games have become particularly good now at making an intro look like a big set piece. You think of the God of War and that type of game. You're not going to lose this mission and it's going to teach you how to play it, but at the same time they cover it in such spectacle that you're thrown instantly into the game. I'm not sure how easy that's going to be for Elite to do, but here's another option. I mean, what's to say that you can't have a manual on a different type of format. For example, I believe Grand Theft Auto, I haven't got it myself yet, but they have an app that you can also get. What's to stop Frontier creating an app which is effectively a manual, but it also includes the history, you know, some of the history of the other Elite games, uh, referring to some of the aspects that have gone into the fiction, referring to the fiction that's going to come out. Something on an iPad where some of us, which, you know, we're, we're more used to the big manuals, the big freaking etc you know we're going to read about the history we're going to read about what's going on with the other fiction all in for 69 pence boosts up their coffers and it just adds a wee something to the game as well yeah it's a, an interesting angle to look at it from i must admit i hadn't thought about having a sort of a companion app that gave you a bit of the you know, a bit of the history a bit of you know maybe some of the the fiction some of the stuff that maybe is coming out in future expansions and also how to play the game uh, I think it's fair to say that most of us have smartphones now. There's a sort of thing that you'd have, yeah, you know, next to you whilst you're playing. Um, no, I think that's a, I think that's a cracking idea, Mr. Stabler. You're into development. Do you think that would work? 
Um, yeah, and it's, it's interesting to see other developers, you know, kind of going at that angle and, you know, you know involving other devices. Uh, I believe uh, GTA 5 are including, uh, is an iFruit app which you can download. It's going to be available on uh, iPhones and Android eventually um, so that whatever your, your car is, you can customize it um, while you're out the house. And then when you go into the game, it's actually going to have changed for you. Um, so... Yeah, I'm for that kind of, you know, thinking outside of the box, really, and, and making the interface different, whether it's just having like a uh, an inbuilt tutorial, sorry, an inbuilt kind of dictionary within the game or, or, you know, something a bit more extreme like that. Well, OK, well, thinking about the, the previous Elite games, you know, they did set up the scene in the fact that you were, you know, Commander Jameson, you had a bit of a backstory, you, know, you had this ship, it was it was left to you. How do you think Frontier are going to manage with uh, Elite Dangerous? Obviously, you can't have the same narrative for everybody that wants to play it because of the multiplayer element. So how do you think they're going to explain the universe? What's going to be the backstory? What's going to be the the introduction storyline to this? Kirk? Well, personally, I think that that they should keep the backstory about the Elite Universe and have nothing about the player. I think you, you have to be dropped in there you are, whether you're with your ship or whether you're on a station, and you make it up from there. Because anything else removes you from, from being yourself. Uh, all of these games that are out there now, they give you a name because they obviously can't get your voice into things. And I, I think it, I don't like being called by somebody else's name in a game. I think it spoils the emotion. It'd be better off if they just didn't use your name, for example. So my personal feeling would be that they should just give you the backstory, put you in a ship or in a station, and let you go from there. Let you choose your own path straight away. Okay, Mr. Virgo? Um, you know, it, it might be interesting to have a generic uh, starting point which can be, you know, applied to anyone kind of in, in a faceless way, you know, some, something like uh, uh, government-sponsored expansion because of the discovery of fast travel hyperspace, you know, they uh, here, have, everyone's going to uh, subsidise ship, you know, go out there and uh, expand the empire, you know. <laughs> No, I think it's a great point. And yeah, maybe something that just you know generically talks you through you know the state of the universe. I and mean, if you think about uh, for those people that have played Eve Online, you'll be aware of the you know the intro movie that basically just explains the various different races, how the uh, you know how the settlers first came from uh, from Earth and you know found the hyperspace gates and stuff, and you know expanded and separated into the various different factions and a little bit about all those factions do you think that's something that would work within uh, within elite dangerous obviously you've got the you know three main powers and also the you know the story of the thargoids in there as well well in, in in eve i was about to say elite then in eve they the backstory people used to make up themselves and put against their profile as tech so if people wanted to get that involved they would make up their own little story of how they got to be where they were yeah, absolutely, and it's something that we haven't really um, explored so far in the development, whether or not you're going to be able to have just a little bit of a, a profile that you can you know, write yourself to, uh, to help with your own sort of role-playing that people can click on your ship and, you know, and see your backstory. Yeah, I was just thinking, when it comes to multiplayer, there's a really important key factor that they need to take account of, and that is in six months' time, a new player will need different information than at launch. Because of the evolving universe, they're going to have to use updated uh, introductions because you're going to have new information and, and what's going on at the time. And I know that what well the way that Eve deals with that is to release the most 
huge updates and then as you log in for the first time you're treated to another huge cutscene that introduces whatever the update is but it's going to need to do something along those lines i mean i know the, the there's going to be the news feed and I, I just love the idea of the news feed it's one of my favorite things because it can be used for so much and i think your introduction should maybe be using the latest videos from the news feed to bring you up to speed that's an interesting idea. Do you really think the universe is going to be dynamic enough that it changes so greatly that you'll need to you know, rewrite the intro story every six months? Well, maybe not six months, but it depends. I mean, if you've got people coming in, they've got to play catch-up. And if they're still you know, getting an introduction to the Federation, the Empire, and the independent systems, and maybe hearing about the histories, if there's been battles and civil wars that are ongoing, you're going to want that player to have the opportunity to jump straight into where the action is rather than where it was. So I think, you know, using the newsfeed um, as your introduction might be very valuable as to find out where is where it's going on and, um, you know, where to get yourself to so that you can find out if there's a battle ongoing at a station, then you can, as a new player, go and die in amongst it all. Interesting point. Maybe even if you're referring back to your um, your entry missions, maybe the news feed would be um, a selection of stories and you get to choose which one you want to go and explore. You know, for example, if there is a famine, you can go and find out about trading, you know, trading food. If there's a you know, an ongoing battle against you know, uh, for mercenaries, uh, then maybe you can sort of head off to that particular area. So maybe the, the news feed actually gives you a little bit of introduction about the universe, but also yeah, it sets you up for your first introductory missions. Maybe we're just thinking too much about the intro here. It, it does just need to introduce you on the basics, how to fly, etc. So maybe it doesn't have to be as in-depth as that. Maybe it just needs to teach you how to fly into the station, maybe avoid the most inept pirate attack going so you get an idea of how to shoot, and then you get stuff like the news feed when you get into the space station, and that then takes you off into whatever angle you want to go. But um, it might be worth just that wee bit of in-game playing just to capture the player to begin with rather than set them up with a huge cutscene which they have nothing to do with. Okay, so you reckon that the, the cutscene sort of breaks the immersion of the uh, of the sandbox? Well, is that what you're I saying? was there in spirit, if not in actual sound, for the uh, Wing Commander th Three Retrolave, and I sat through the 25 minutes worth of bad acting from Mark Hamill et al. And I don't think we really need that. I think just a quick burst of gameplay at the most basic level, just to teach you what you need to do in order to fly, etc., and then move on to the newsfeed, etc., and you know, add a bit of meat to the bones. No, I think you're being a bit harsh there. I think Elite Dangerous could definitely benefit from some bad marketing. No, I kind of agree. I kind of agree with Martin, to be honest, in that I would like it to be, if anything, maybe some text floating through space, kind of like Star Wars, explaining that this new hyperdrive has been invented, which allows instant jumping, um, and then you know, just maybe a paragraph saying, you know, talking about the current state of, you know, the main factions, and then just chuck you in into some kind of an encounter, definitely. Okay, so you say just sort of chuck you in. I'll come to Kirk in, in just a second, but you say just chuck you in. None of you have actually mentioned you know, how your character is going to be created or what your character is currently doing in that universe. Is there going to be no backstory? Is there going to be nothing to uh, that you can cling to as your character? Is there going to be anything in terms of you know, maybe a character creation tool, the likes that we saw in, say, Mass Effect, where you know you had various sections to sort of select for your you know your backstory and things like I, that? I think it depends a lot on Frontier. I mean, they've they've been very cagey about actually talking about 
things like that, avatars and character creation. It's, it's something that we know very little about. So it's kind of hard to know what's going to be possible. You know, blue sky thinking, you know, it'd be great if you can go create your character, give it some great backstory, you know, spend maybe even hours before you even get into the game. But I don't know if that's going to interest everybody. A lot of people are just going to want to get in and, and shoot shoot up the universe. Personally, um, you know, I, I think it's more important to engage uh, the player with the actual main gameplay than, you know, the role-playing thing. I'm a big role-playing fan myself. You know, I do like that aspect. But I think if if Elite Dangerous wants to go mainstream, then I think it needs to appeal. I know Kirk's been waiting patiently, but before I come to you, Kirk, uh, Martin, final thoughts to well, say on that? There's nothing to say that you can't have this um, set piece where it throws you in and you have to battle your way to the space station, and then you get to create your character. When you actually get to the station, it, it, there's, there's ways to take you through, introduce yourself, commander, and this sort of thing, and that's when you get to add your backstory. So I think you can do both. Okay, Kirk? What about a training ship? How about you take a ship, a pretty naff ship, out to do some pretty easy missions as part of training, and when you think you're ready, you then start your character up and go out for real. So that when you do start your character, it is for real. You can get into the role. And prior to that, it doesn't matter what you do or how badly you do. Yeah. I just like the idea of being able to select a sort of a generic backstory. So say you've, you, know, you want a criminal backstory, then you start off and say a, uh, an orange sidewinder floating in the solar system picking up litter or something. And that's your starter into the game. Okay, John, you've been sitting there quietly for a while. What do you reckon? I agree with everything that everyone said. I, I think the, the best thing about Elite is the fact that um, it kind of caters for all of these ideas. You can do everything all at once. I, I mean, I was earlier in the week, my, my friend managed to acquire the NES version of Elite. We were playing that. And that does start off with a, a an immediate mission where it's like combat training. You're, you're in space, you fight a handful of ships, and then you're in Lave Station. So, you know, I think that idea would, would, would work, that you could uh, throw someone straight into the action, and then they could mess around with the details of their character, much like, uh, I think, EVE Online, the very, very early versions of that had no uh, character creation at all, if I remember correctly. It's not until recently that they've added Avatar support. Okay, so from what you guys are saying, it sounds very much like you wouldn't really want sort of like an intro movie. But just thinking back to, uh, you know, one of the, the moments of my sort of, you know, gaming history, one of the ones that really sort of made it an impact on me, and that was the, the introduction for Half-Life. Uh, it was the first time I'd actually seen sort of a, a movie on rails that also taught you, you know, your place within a universe and how to move around about it. Do you not think that maybe it would be nice to have, uh, you know, a docking sequence where you dock your ship and, you know, you're flying through Lave Station and you're seeing all the various gantries and the various people, maybe a technician fixing a vending machine and learning about your ship and your craft and you know, listening to some of these news feeds as it takes you on this sort of um, this guided journey? Uh, Kirk? I, I do know what you mean about the Half-Life intro, because I remember that, that caught me right at the beginning of the game. But again, it's single player. I just, I don't know whether, if everybody's doing exactly the same thing, whether it'll mean as much. Yeah, you can't all be Gordon Freeman. Yeah, it's a good point. There's a, a wide range of starting options for players, and they're not going to want to start everyone in the same systems. And that really doesn't lend itself to any kind of static start mission it's going to have to be quite dynamic. However, that lends itself to creating your own backstory because when you make your choices, 
then it can give you that introduction from a sort of selection of it. So, for example, if you want to be a criminal, then maybe you jump in in a ship being chased by a bounty hunter. If you're going to be a trader, maybe, you know, you're on a ship and the commander who was in charge has died, leaving you his ship. Something along these lines, you know, it gives you that entry point that instantly puts you in a role. Interesting. Um, I agree with everything Grant just said. Yeah, the, uh, one of my favorite parts of Frontier Elite Two is you know pick you, know, you got the three starting points. You know, it, it was almost like having three discrete games uh, from the from the get go. So and and like you said, I mean the the procedural universe is going to uh, necessitate having multiple starting points physically for lots of people to spread everyone out. So why not just give the player that choice to say this is the role I want to I want to take on and uh, just, you know, give me the minimal backstory for that character and just dump me in the action. Okay, that's going to do it for this topic. What we're going to do is we're going to jump and listen to some of the submissions made by other members of the elite community and then we're going to come back for our second topic, that of looking to the future. Commanders incoming transmissions. Rory Scarlet aka Rory Scarlet. The Elite Dangerous tutorial or opening five hours of gameplay. Having played several older space games on Retrolave, it became very apparent these games relied heavily on the player's pre-read knowledge of the manual. All knowledge of keys and processes came from the manuals or reference cards. In the past, games introduced players by providing a lot of literature, i.e. a thick manual. Gaming has changed and I believe there are several influences on this. When I was a teenager, I bought games from shops. When I bought FE2, it came in a large cardboard box. Inside was the manual, the glorious star map, the gazetteer, and the book of short stories. The whole thing probably weighed a pound or so. I really felt I'd bought something substantial and I used to really enjoy this aspect of the game. That's probably why I pledged for the boxed edition of ED. These thick manuals were required reading so that you understood the game fully. If I wasn't playing FE2, I was reading the manual or the gazetteer. It was a true multimedia game. Nowadays you get a DVD in a DVD case. If you're lucky you get a 10 page manual with basic controls and a very brief intro into the game. With games downloaded from the internet, as in Steam or good old games and websites like that, you had a manual on a PDF if you could be bothered. If I remember rightly, FE2 had a kind of hybrid of both these methods. I remember reading through an introductory flight from Scirocco Station to Boston Base, shunting a few tons of animal meat. Games have evolved now so the manuals are just not required reading anymore. You'll generally either play a purpose-built tutorial or the first few hours of the game will take you by the hand and introduce aspects of the game at a steady speed as in the Elder Scrolls games um, or Fallout 3. This is how games work now and the ED will have to follow suit. I'd like to see some sort of introduction into the Elite Universe and your place within it. We'll not be playing a scripted character so this will be challenging for FD. There are so many roles within Elite Dangerous can I introduce all of them to the player whilst keeping choice paramount? If I have no interest in mining, I'm not going to want to sit through a mining tutorial. Perhaps the bulletin boards and news feeds will play a large part in this. The main aspect of the game, flying spaceships and making it fun, will be the primary goal, I think. Essentially, the first few hours will need to really grab the new player. If they don't like it, they'll leave it. Simple as that. It's got to be fun and it's got to fire their imaginations as Elite once did. This is a really big deal for Frontier, and I hope they get it right. I'm optimistic, but then I would be. Michael Hughes, a.k.a. Bingo Brewster. I think the first half hour of uh, playing the game is just going to consist of me staring blankly at the screen with me 
mouth wide open drooling and then if past experience is anything to go by the following four hours will just be spent with me blindly trying to hook up peripheral devices like the gamepad my headset oculus rift leap motion bionic legs and so on seriously though there's going to have to be an in-game tutorial or hints that uh, a little animated paperclip tharglet that can appear on the screen maybe it's just because i'm getting old but i find games so complicated I need a bit of help, and I certainly don't expect Elite Dangerous to be any different. When I first heard about Elite Dangerous on Kickstarter, it was also the first time I'd heard about Frontier and Frontier First Encounters, although I'd been playing Elite for a year or so. To tide myself over, I installed the the Russian remake of Frontier First Encounters and then set about trying to get, get my hand back in. I think I got as far as outer space once, after crashing about a billion times. I, I thought that because I could play Elite backwards, Frontier would be a breeze, but um, it proved to be very difficult and time-consuming. So I started to look online for uh, a tutorial, and I found some written instructions somewhere, but after starting to look into it, it was pretty complicated, and I didn't really want to invest the time to learn how to play, uh, especially with uh, the not-so-imminent release of Elite Dangerous approaching. So I've still never really played Frontier. Since the end of the Kickstarter, I've often thought that uh, being a member of the forums is actually a huge advantage because we all have the background knowledge and I think that'll make a big difference because we all know the why, we just need to know the how. The scope of the game is going to be tremendous, so anybody who buys the game and has no experience of previous versions of Elite is going to be on a pretty steep learning curve. Personally, I'd like a printed manual both for reference and also as a kind of a souvenir keepsake. But I'd also like on-screen references, reference sheets, and also the paperclip farglets with, uh, preferably with a, I don't show this again, tick box, uh, so that once I've learned to do something, uh, he doesn't come back. But apart from that, I think it might be nice to also provide simplified walkthroughs of uh, the more esoteric career paths like spy or smuggler. I don't mean in any great depth, as obviously the path of discovery in the game will be the fun bit, but just something to point you down the right path. Christopher Jarvis, aka Hold My Kidney. I'd be surprised if there's a massive tutorial at the beginning of Elite. I think because it is quite a freeform game, and because part of the fun of the game is actually exploring the universe and finding all the options that are out there. I think that really, you know, a tutorial, if there is any, will, will very much limit itself to just giving you a heads up on basic flight controls and maybe how to interface with buying and selling screens. Although I think most gamers now are pretty savvy and can probably cope with a lot of that. But I don't think there's any point going into a tutorial, you know, going over the nuances of each of the individual player careers like pirate or luxury liner captain because I think actually most of the fun of a game like Elite is in just kind of flying around and, and finding out these things for yourself. Rory Scarlet, aka Rory Scarlet. Where do you see Elite Dangerous in five to ten years? I expect a large proportion of the Milky Way will be explored if not inhabited within ten years. I'm looking forward to the gameplay that will be injected by FD and how organic the evolution of the galaxy will be. I'll be looking forward to planetary landings purely for completeness really. It will seem a bit strange at first not being able to do this as I was able to on FE2 and that's what I'm used to. Walking around space stations will be fantastic, a lot of interaction can take place there. 
This would ultimately be a modern extension of the old bulletin board, meeting NPCs and even other players to start new jobs and missions, buying stock and upgrading your ship. This will be really great from an immersion point of view and will also be visually stunning. I for one am not too bothered about the other new features. Walking around the ship would look nice, but what's the point? Purely to see the inside of the ship? But once you've done that, do you really need to do this often? Only when you buy a new class of ship, I'd expect. I'm not going to want to walk my commander to the zero-G crapper or cook a microwaved bag of noodles. I'm not even going to want to play holographic monster chess with a droid or even a Wookiee, come to think of it. There may be a possibility for NPC interaction, but looking at the passenger proposal, this will be limited to larger ships. Multimedia tie-ins would be nice. Maybe an iOS app that can turn your device into some kind of interactive display. Maybe your shield controls can be on there, or heat management. My iPhone can control my skybox, so uh, why not Elite Dangerous? Other than that, I don't desire too much. More and more add-ons means the potential of getting further away from the core game. I wouldn't want to lose the eliteness of Elite Dangerous. Christopher Jarvis, aka Hold My Kidney. In four or five years' time, I think the game will be a very immersive place to go and game. I think if, you know, a few years after the initial, maybe excitement of the game has died down, I think those who are still playing it will be very committed to it and very committed to the way that they play the game. So I think in, you'll have a culture in four or five years' time where you've got players whose reputation extends beyond the in-game reputation system and that there are, there are people and groups and factions who are known within the kind of gaming community as being within the elite universe and playing in a particular way, whether that's on the side of the law, whether that's as a kind of criminal thing. I hope you'll see, um, you know, quite a big commitment to people really role-playing a character. It'll be interesting to see what role the players who have achieved elite in one or several of the career categories It'll be interesting to see what their role takes on in the long term after they've achieved that accolade. Because that is essentially, from one argument, that is the end of the game. But with it being such a big and freeform universe, in many respects that's a starting point. And I think that's what Frontier Developments are aiming for with this new elite group theory. Um, that it is actually an opener to different levels of gameplay. Thank you, Commanders. Transmission completed. The second topic for the show is one that looks to the future. We're all confident that Elite Dangerous will be a major commercial and critical success and will have a long and profitable life ahead of it, mirroring other such classics as EVE Online or World of Warcraft. Uh, where do we see the game in five or ten years, though? What new features will have been added with expansions and how do we see the game embracing changes in the computer games industry, changes like next-gen consoles, new input methods, or the move from office to living room for PC games. Uh, starting off, off this time is going to be Grant. Yeah, I, I, I've sat and really struggled to kind of think. So obviously we're going to have planetary landing, some we're going to have in amongst the cockpit. But because it's been such an open development, it's really hard to think of something that we've not come up with that we have to wait and see if it's going to be in the game. Um, it's just so much that they've said coming soon and not in the initial release that it really is kind of difficult for me to kind of think or really? know where it's going to be really i mean blue sky thinking i mean the reason that i set this question was you know maybe it's just something specific to me but we've all been waiting for this game for such a long time you know one of my favorite pastimes over the last sort of five ten years has been sort of driving along in my car and trying to figure out if i had enough money and i had the wherewithal and the 
you know, the brains to develop a computer game or develop a sequel to Elite, what would it look like? Um, and there was an interesting point a few years ago, actually, where you know, the vision that I had for Elite kind of appeared. Um, I had the idea of um, you know, each each station, you know, Elite Dangerous almost being like Second Life was many, many moons ago, um, but uh, a whole un- different universe that you could go around and interact, and each of the stations would have lots of people from the real world in them walking around, and you know, you'd potentially fund it by having you know, those stations maybe uh, sponsored. So you'd go inside a big red station, and, and you know, Frontier Developments would have gone to Coca-Cola. And uh, and had it sponsored by them, and uh, lo and behold, what did we see? But uh, with the PlayStation came PlayStation Home, and it was a similar sort of setup to what uh, what I envisaged. You know, had all these companies or games, and they had their own particular sort of stations, or in this case, areas where they were doing various things about their particular brand or their particular game. So, you know, with this, with regards to this question, it's more about what sort of things did you, you know, hope for Elite and what sort of things do you think will be included? Okay, we'll jump over to Martin. Well, if you want ultimate blue sky thinking, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that we don't know about the next five years. For all we know, there could be no such thing as consoles anymore. It could all be cloud-driven gaming, as we were talking about earlier. But what I'd love to see is it to branch out into other types of games. So if you want Elite, let's bring out um, Elite Bounty Hunter. I mean, it's all supposed to be part of the same game, but let's have a first-person shooter. Let's have a full-on mission-driven uh, Elite Bounty Hunter game, that thing. That's what I'd love to see, because then I don't have to worry about trading. <laughs> okay, but I mean, what you just described there has literally just happened, obviously, with EVE Online. They brought out Dust 514 which is you know, the idea that you have a first-person shooter uh, and you're a grunt, basically, doing the uh, the planetary conquest. So you've got all these spaceships up in space uh, dictating which planets you're going to take over. And then you've got Dust 514, uh, where you take the role of the people on the planet actually acting as marines trying to do the uh, the land-based combat. So is that the sort of thing you'd like to see uh, sort of brought into the Elite Dangerous universe? Yeah, but what I'd also like is to keep the backstory so if you're gonna i don't want to be just a grunt i want a backstory to this um soldier that i'm going to take over i want the elite universe to expand i want people who have uh, the, the opportunity to write books to start writing books about this aspect of elite as well i've loved listening and observing how elite's developing and how things are developing around the game i want that to continue with new types of games um not just necessarily elite bring out the first person halo version of elite or something like that and again come out with a fiction type of thing build on this elite community that you've already got okay and would you want those to be sort of separate standalone titles or would you want it to actually be sort of you know rolled into the whole game so say you are a bounty hunter and say you've got an assassination mission and you find that actually your target is no longer in space it's actually landed at a space station so you follow him to the space station you get out of your ship and then you have to do a stealth mission where you go and find your targets and then take him out if that was possible but the thing about the elite game that's coming is with all of the multiplayer angles then that's not necessarily going to be possible what i'm looking for is i'm i'm, I'm a, quite a solitary gamer i play by myself uh, maybe it doesn't sound quite right i play computer <laughs> games by myself um and so i'm i'm not necessarily interested in you know 50 people in the space station being actual people i want to play the game just simply for playing the game so give me a separate game where i'm a bounty hunter it drives me through the missions but it is still linked to the elite universe it is still linked to the, the unique um, community that you've got built. 
I mean, that sounds like what you're describing there can be done if you just switched yourself to the, uh, you know, to solo playing groups. That way you'd only get the, you know, the non-player controlled, you know, people and all the people that would actually be multiplayers would be you know, outside your particular game. Yeah, but then they can't focus as much on the storyline of it and, you know, build the missions yeah, to okay, an actual crescendo because they, they couldn't take the time to create that just for me. Yeah, so you basically you want a story-driven experience basically and you think that should be a standalone game that's what i enjoy about um gaming more than you know meeting some hank from some 14 year old teenager who's far better at this game than i am no i I just want to play it solitary i want to play it offline i want a story-driven game um but i'm growing to love this um universe so much and the additional input of the fiction that's coming along which you know i'm bound to read all of those books i want to play my games in this universe just not with other people i don't like other people <laughs> <laughs> okay uh kirk do you like other people uh yes i don't necessarily always like playing along with them but i like the fact that when i've been playing online games there are always people running around i've enjoyed being in guilds in the past in in mmos not because the guild offers extra bonuses um, i think they did that in everquest i don't know about uh, world of warcraft where everybody in the guild was trying to do something because the guild itself got extra points and they got extra points, they got a bigger building and all that sort of crap, really. Um, I mean, maybe I'm stretching the point too far, but I don't see any reason why Elite can't have the space aspect, a first-person aspect. Later on, maybe building, the, the you know, where people are building on planets or building space stations. And as I think it was either Alan or, or John mentioned in one of the late radio stations, is there's also the social aspect. I, I remember in Star Wars Galaxies where you were kind of encouraged to go into the um, into the cantinas because that would clear wounds that you couldn't clear by normal healing. But you'd end up sitting there chatting away and having a laugh with people where it was just like a glorified chat room, but you're in 3D. So whilst you're chatting away, somebody's jumping up and on the tables and back off again. And I don't really see why, with, with, with certainly with Frontier skills, why it just can't keep evolving, where you can have every sort of aspect of gaming in the Elite Universe somewhere. Um, and certainly for me, being able to jump out of your ship run across the station to either meet somebody to do something, whether it be on a bounty kill or even to, to running back to your ship because you've got a bounty hunter onto you. I think it just adds to that immersion of being in a, a living, breathing universe. So I, I'd yeah. like to see it going on and on, personally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we were talking about this in sort of five or ten years' time, but you know what we're basically describing there has already been done. Well, not yet released, but it's certainly the yeah, that's what uh, EVE Online is uh, aspiring to that you're going to be able to have this sort of walking in stations and various sort of first person uh, or third person uh, missions uh, alongside you know your spaceships uh mr virgo yeah um i i i mean obviously i think we're going to have the opportunity to have our cake and eat it so to speak here i mean with, with the expansions that david braben's already spoke about the planetary landings and the uh, walking around inside your ship and so forth you know i think we might be able to have these experiences we've, we've been talking about here. We, there's nothing has been mentioned before about how long you can spend in either of these situations. I mean, uh, what's to say that you could get out of your ship on a planet and you could spend five, six, you know, maybe even longer hours uh, just doing planetary-bound missions. Uh, when one of the things that David Raven spoke about is he doesn't want to enable planetary landing until there's something worthwhile doing or seeing. So um, I'm hoping, in a way, that Frontier 
are considering that, you know, give you something like where there's multiple cities like GTA, that sort of thing, where there are lots of side quests you can do and, uh, and, and you know, to keep you occupied in that situation. You, you could effectively lose yourself in a, in a subset of, of the game. Yeah, no, absolutely agree with that. Grant? Well, just with the development plans of having the NPCs and the first-person part of the game when it's released, it just interests me. Something I'd like to be able to do is if I'm running my passenger cruise ship as I plan to, to pull into a station and just sit there and wait for the NPCs to come and jump on and pay me all the money so I can take them on a flight somewhere. But something that doesn't seem to be alluded to yet is to create the indifference between an NPC and a player so that if I'm setting up a tour and offering tickets to it, that a player can come and jump on my craft. And I like the idea of having my own little microphone and being able to say, and here we go, we're passing Lave Station, and now we're going through Slough, and here's the radioactive dump. Um, and, you know, to, <laughs> to create that kind of really, really establish a role play. And I think that one of the features that would be really, really good in-game is to make players famous, you know, in such a way that they're acknowledged and, and maybe they can, I don't know, do some kind of in-game events where you can meet these famous elite pilots, maybe, you know, the first elite Iron Man and things like that, and just give that sense of stature something to lose as well. Because I think, you know, with ultimate fame comes ultimate potential loss. And I just like to see that kind of thing, and, and then you know, like Grand Theft Auto, and it's in-built in-game cinemas. There's just a lot of scope when they take us out of the cockpit for things that they can add. Okay, so take yourself out of the cockpit. Then, what other things would you like to see on the space station? So you mentioned a cinema there. What other things, Blue Sky thinking, do you think you should be able to go and do when you dock at Lave Station? Well, I mean, there's got to be bars, but I think some of the key features that are going to be very interesting and add to gameplay would be the likes of medical centres um, potential you know, hairdressers so that you can go and change your styles uh, clothing shops the the potential is, is huge um, but then again you, you want to encourage the social aspects so bars will be really important um, <sighs> When you get into the point of like, you know, then you've got restaurants and you can take out other players and NPCs for meals, then we're just getting a bit beyond the scope of what a game should be and we're getting into get out of your house and do something. <laughs> so it's got, to, it's got to remain within the sense of it's entertainment but not replacing what you should be doing around the gameplay. Uh, so I think hospital's a good idea. Um, it'd be quite funny coming to visit Fozza <laughs> in wards, <laughs> Ward 6 of Lave Station where he's been for three months after another vending machine accident. I think yeah, that adds a wee element of fun. And even the fact that maybe there's been an assassination attempt and you're put on guard outside a VIP's hospital room in light of an incoming attack. Okay, what about the... Um... What about the story? I mean, obviously, the, the story for a game like World of Warcraft keeps on expanding. I mean, they've been going now for, for what, nine years. EVE Online's been going for ten years. You know, there's a lot of um, a lot of fiction, a lot of stories being created in that universe you know, in, during that time. What sort of you know, expansions to the story or developments to the, to the game universe do you think we might see 
in five or you know ten years' time? I mean, I'll start us off. Obviously, at the moment, the game is going to have a small mention of the the Thargoids. Yeah, we know that they're an alien race that we will start to see you know, more of as the expansions come out in probably the next sort of uh, twenty-four months. But looking a bit further into the future, what other things do you think could happen? in the Elite Dangerous universe. I'm going to put you on the spot and go straight for Mr. Stabler on this one. Um, well, I mean, the only point I wanted to make, but I think these guys kind of said it, is, you know, five to ten years' time, I do want to see it kind of like World of Warcraft in terms of popularity and the way it's going to develop. And I'd love to see it developing, as you said, through storylines, through deepening of the universe. I'm not keen on them necessarily changing it into a game that will be all things to everybody. You know, I'm, some people do like FPSs, some people don't. I'm just keen to see that, you know, the whole philosophy of Elite makes it through all of the updates intact. But, yeah, no, I definitely want to see the universe get deeper, not necessarily wider, not necessarily uh, uh, just this mishmash of genres all of a sudden. Okay, Certainly, again, this is this comes directly from my driving around in my car thinking about the Elite Universe uh, days. But I always had in my head that, okay, so at the moment, you know, we, we're at war with the Thargoids. It's a sort of Cold War going. But what if, uh, you know, like a lot of the, the sci-fi stables have done, you know, what happens if, uh, you know, an even bigger and badder enemy appears on the scene? You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing. I mean, it was done in you know, retro lave. We saw it in uh, Free Space, where you fight with the you know you start the the game fighting against the Vasudans, and uh, then a big bad comes in, and suddenly you know you're fighting alongside the Vasudans. Could we see a, a universe in Elite Dangerous where you know five years time we're actually fighting alongside Thargoids, or actually you know flying Thargoid ships, uh, Mister Virgo? Well. I, I kind of hope in a way it doesn't change that much. I kind of liked the the more focused story that we saw in things like uh, in Frontier Elite 2. It it kind of it kept it on task and target and you, and you were doing the one particular thing for for a long period of time. Um I kind of I, I can't help but think it seems a bit cliche to do something like that to have to have another enemy. I mean I I I hope that you know if they do introduce like new elements to the story that it's um more subtle and kind of just directs the gameplay, but still allows the the players themselves to have a, have a bigger impact on the world. Because I think that's the thing that Elite's going to excel at is this, this uh, ability to let the players make the decisions. Um, but uh, just you know, just have Frontier just kind of nudge and hint that there there may be this, there may be that coming. Okay, uh, Grant, that just gave me this wonderful kind of idea of uh, the first new alien comes in in its wee ship trying to make peace and bumps into a player who happens to be new and fires off a laser and then immerses us all in this massive interplanetary war. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be nice for for a player to get first contact. Absolutely. So that player, you know, call sign Listery 69 or something has just caused the, you know, the, the biggest inter, intergalactic war ever known in the history of Elite Dangerous. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe we'll put the, uh, the idea of you know, features to one side there and maybe focus on the actual games industry and you know, what sort of changes we think we'll actually see in the next sort of five or ten years time in terms of maybe the culture of gaming or the hardware involved in gaming. It's probably a good point to actually mention that one of the people on the panel has got a particularly nice new piece of technology, which is cutting edge. 
which potentially has been talked about, but potentially could end up in the Elite Dangerous universe. John, why don't you tell us what you've got and how you think it might be uh, applicable to Elite Dangerous in the years to come? Yeah, sure. Um, I was uh, lucky today. Uh, I uh, received my Oculus Rift developer kit, um, which I've been uh, waiting for for a long time. And yeah, I mean, I'd love to see support in it for for this uh, this piece of hardware. I mean, it's a fantastic toy, I must admit. It fits so perfectly into the idea of, uh, of of sitting in a seat in the virtual environment, matching what you're doing in the game itself. Uh, you know, in the real world, I think at the moment it still is a little bit too immature to be used. But um, I, I, in five, ten years, I think it's going to be fantastic, and it's it's definitely something that Frontier. I hope they will consider doing it. But it's for the time being. I think David Braben's made the right choice. It's just not ready for elite to use it at the moment okay so i mean i'm sure everybody that's listening to this podcast has probably been exposed to the oculus rift at, at some point before now but can you just give us sort of a, a basic overview of what the device actually does and what it enables and also where, where you think the technology may go and where you know you could see real world usage in the uh, in the elite dangerous um, universe yeah, so I mean, it, it's quite a simple device, really. I mean, it's basically a, um, a high-quality mobile phone screen with a couple of lenses direct each half of the screen to one eye. The, the beauty is in the in the software; it, it uh, pre-stretches the image to uh, to give you uh, a wraparound effect, so that the the lenses. Uh, distort it effectively and it comes out straight. It looks to you like a perfectly straight image even though it's wrapped around your head. It, it's an amazing effect. It, it's, it's kind of indescribable really but the best thing I can think of is it's kind of like looking at the world through a, a slightly pixelated motorcycle helmet but once you get past the resolution it's, it's a staggering uh, experience mainly due to the, the latency. It's uh, the speed at which it updates the screen so when you turn your head it, it feels natural it, it spins around as quick as you can um, and because of that it, it's it's fantastic it really does feel like you've got a screen completely around your head and like I said I mean for, for Elite Dangerous I think it's, it's, it'll give you a fantastic view of a cockpit you can get the sense of depth uh, in and outside of the uh, of the screen and it fits perfectly into that gameplay idea when we come to something like the expansions you know walking around uh, in first person I, I'm not too sure about that experience. I mean, from from what I've played so far, first-person shooters, they work okay, but because the virtual scenario doesn't fit the real world, it doesn't feel right at, at, at the moment. I think it still needs some work there. Okay, so... Uh... I think most of us will have experienced back in the uh, in the 90s those wonderful VR headsets that you used to get the old arcades where you know you'd be put on a platform, you put the headset on, you'd be plunged into a world that looks very much like Minecraft that has a you know, a slight sort of two second delay of everything that you do and move around. The the Oculus Rift isn't like this, you know. This is technology that's much further on than that, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, from from what I can tell from this at the moment, I mean, the headset itself is about half the weight of my my headphones that I'm wearing right now. Um, so it's, it's a fantastic piece of kit in that respect. Um, and the, the complete wraparound effect you get, I mean, you, you just about, if, if you make a point of looking uh, to the left or the right, but just moving your eyes, you, you can actually see the black borders. But when you actually start focusing on the game, you just kind of naturally start moving your head and it just completely 
surrounds you. You kind of just zone into it. Um, so compared to the much older systems, it, it's fantastic. And given we've got the horsepower today as well to make much more realistic looking environments, it, um, it, it it's just it, it's mind boggling. It does it does look like there's there's something in front of you you can reach out and touch. So throwing it back to the you know the capital ship video then where we actually saw the uh, protagonist looking around that cockpit do you think by adding you know some sort of Oculus Rift system to the game that you will actually feel like you are actually in that cockpit looking around you know through the uh, through the various screens you'll be able to spot enemies react quicker and uh, just give you an extra level of immersion that we don't currently have with uh, you know your normal PC monitors uh, yeah no doubt i mean uh... It, it's something. I mean, you could emulate that sort of scenario with something like a POV um, on a on a flight stick uh, to turn turn around. But um, in some of the demos that I've seen, the having the ability to just look at something and that becomes the contextual focus and your controls now automatically map to that thing you are looking at. That's that's a great thing. Uh, to have so you, so you literally look down into the left and that that might be your nav, nav panel and your mouse click will then set a target without having to change focus or anything looking straight up again your mouse click might fire lasers now because you're looking straight forward again that that's a great thing that can be uh, can be added into the gameplay experience that's really interesting stuff um do we have any idea when these things might when these things might actually go to uh, a sort of a commercial release um, I think the commercial release is planned for the first quarter next year, and I, I would I would definitely recommend that people wait for that one. You know, instead of getting the dev kit. I mean, uh, I'm looking at it from from a technical point of view. Uh, 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 you know, as a software developer, I think it's a fantastic piece of kit. But for a consumer, definitely, you know, take the advice. Wait for the consumer version. And do we have any idea what sort of price point that consumer version is going to come at? As far as I know, they're targeting for around three hundred dollars, the same as the dev kit. Wow, watch this space. Okay, so we're moving on from the Oculus Rift. Maybe we talk about yeah, next-gen consoles. Obviously, the, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, they're just around the corner. Uh, most people seem to think that these are going to be the, the last generation of uh, home consoles that we actually see and that everything will move to a fully digital environment going forward. But one of the things that seems to be um, demonstrated from the next-gen consoles is that they're all pretty much running Linux which is obviously a PC-based um, operating system. Do we think that we're going to see Elite Dangerous moved you know, with these consoles into the living room? I know it's something that uh, Frontier Developments have said that you know, they're not focusing on at the moment. It's going to be a PC game first and foremost. But you know, looking at your five years, do we think that you know, when Elite Dangerous becomes the popular game we all know it's going to be, that we're going to see it move on to the consoles or we're going to see it move into the lounge? Mr. Stabler. Well, I definitely think it should move into the lounge. Uh, I mean, if you think about uh, Frontier and Elite, originally they were for microcomputers, um, which were actually a lot easier to get on with than modern PCs in that you used to just put the game in and you'd boot off the disk and you'd go straight into the game. So in a way, they kind of have their roots in that kind of you know simpler, simpler system. Um, and I think... It, with where they're going with the game, it is going to have more of a, a mass appeal than, than than previous games. So I think they really do need to target the consoles. Um, you know, and you mentioned like the PlayStation Four, that's Linux, and and so is um, uh, so is the, so is the new Xbox, and also uh, the Steam Box is Linux based. So as long as they do a Linux version, then it should be um, hopefully easy to port. The question is going to be whether the controls. Um, are going to be you know manageable on a controller, I guess. Um, I certainly hope so. 
Well, that's an interesting point, actually. I mean, we, when we saw the original footage uh, way back at the Kickstarter, you know, we did see that most people in the uh, in that footage were playing it with the the Microsoft um, Xbox controller. Yeah, with the likes of uh, Valve announcing a new sort of haptic controller, do we think that the input methods are going to have to change in order to be able to get Elite Dangerous into the lounge? Maybe go to Mr. Virgo with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, looking back at the older games and you know, every single key on the keyboard could do a different uh, a different action. I think it's it could be mapped, you know, with, with good UI design. I think it, it would work quite well on a controller. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm I'm more of a fan of a keyboard and mouse, so I'm I'm not sure whether a, a single uh, thumbstick will be able to uh, give you that same sort of fidelity. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it definitely needs to be done. I think um, the console support is something that has to come in the future. Martin, you're more of a console player than you are a PC player. What's your thoughts on this? Well, I'd welcome it, um, and there's certainly a lot more that you can do with a a console controller than you ever could with your old Kempston joystick. Um, so I do think that it could be transferred over well. But again, it all depends on how much is in how much is involved in the gameplay, if you know what I mean. If that uh, video is anything to go by and that's the kind of action you're looking for, then yeah, the console market will welcome that. And um, I'm certainly more likely to buy it if it will actually play on my console rather than the laptop that I'm currently speaking to you over. Okay, Grant? Sorry, mate, you've just been quiet. I'm just wondering if you're still there. Oh, yeah, I'm still here and I'm listening. I've just got nothing to add. <laughs> See, I'm not a console kind of person either, so it just, I couldn't care less if it goes to console or not. I mean, I'm a PC man, always have been, and games on a PC always felt more immersive. I find the controller quite uh, an immersion breaker, you know, if you're got your keyboard there and you're pressing it's like it's like you've got your cockpit controls and that always just makes me feel more in control than trying to remember press r1 and l2 and and, and move the joypad up the left to move your shields no i can't be asked for that okay but i mean you're a veteran of the retro lave. You've seen you know, space sims that involved a lot of keyboard buttons, and you know the first one that jumps to mind is I Wars. Is it not a better and yet more immersive experience to be able to have you know all the controls that you need at the touch of your fingers? No, because it wouldn't be like in a ship either, would it? I mean, you you wouldn't see some guy. I mean, if you got into a Boeing seven four seven and halfway over the Atlantic, you get up to the cockpit and the guy's sitting there with an Xbox controller, you're going to think. Holy shit! He's not in control. You know, you're not going to think. Well, that's convenient. He's got all the controls in his fingertips. <laughs> okay, Grant, is that it, or have you got anything else to say? One more point, which involves it should have two keyboards, so that you've got twice the number of keys available to you to use. You're one of these freaky people that actually bought those uh, additional um, sort of. They they looked like like a big mouse with lots and lots of buttons on that you rested your whole hand on, but everywhere that you moved your finger, there were extra buttons. Yeah, that you get for the the real time strategy games. Well, not, not so much known, really, but I do have my nice. What is it now? God, hottest warthog. Yeah, joystick controller, and the throttle controls have got more switches than the games actually support, and it's just absolutely amazing. I'm just going to leave that there and go straight on to uh, straight on to John. 
Uh, yeah, I was, I was literally uh, just about to say what Grant said. Another toy I've got sat here is a, a Hotus controller. Um, and, you know, whilst it's something that's is it great, I mean, I, I can map lots of controls to it and everything like that. And uh, I can't wait to try that in, uh, in, in Elite Dangerous. So, uh, yeah, I think control methods, I mean, each to their own. I mean, it, it's not something which you could really force someone to do you know just you know you have to use a, a controller because this is what we t intended it to be used i think at frontier really need to give everyone the option to play it the way they want to play it talking about that specific controller do you want to just explain to the listeners what that is uh, yeah, sure. And um, basically, uh, it's a uh, control for a flight simulators um, where you have a, a flight stick uh, as one separate unit and a throttle control as another separate unit. Um, so you can put it, for example, either side of your uh, keyboard uh, to get uh, more like a, uh, a fighter pilot sort of uh, flight control. Martin, what's your point? Well, I was just, it was more a question for everyone else. I don't know whether you remember, but not so long ago, there was a, a Mech Warrior game came out where it also came with a peripheral, which was a huge two-joystick piece of kit that would um, allegedly make it more immersive to play this Mech Warrior game. What would people say if, the, if Philippe came with something similar to try and make it more of a, a cockpit scenario? Well, I know for a fact that Grant would probably rush out and buy it. So we'll go to Grant. Grant, would you rush out and buy it? I've got it on pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, I've pre-ordered it. I want it. Um, yeah, I mean, I do remember. I can't remember what the uh, what the for the life of me what that game was, but I do remember seeing it. It was uh, it was massive. It cost uh, I think it cost at least a hundred pounds for the uh, for the for the mech setup. But uh, I always quite fancied the the look of it. Whether or not I was prepared to invest the money in it, it was a different matter. No, it's an interesting idea whether or not you'd have a sort of almost the same way that you get um, steering wheels for you know, racing games and you know, very elaborate sort of seats that uh, vibrate and stuff. Would you be prepared to invest in a similar sort of thing that you know, made your, uh, became your virtual cockpit? I don't know. Uh, Kirk? Well, for me, I, I, I think we're sort of into the realms of, of joystick porn here, aren't we, with the, with the hot-ass <laughs> controllers. But, um, I've got a programmable keyboard primarily for hotkeys for some games because they were getting so complicated and I wanted to put them, you know, things on a certain key. But I never actually can be bothered to, to get round to programming them for any games that I've played recently, although Elite probably will be the first game that I will sit down and spend however long it takes to set things up exactly how I want them. Uh, I'm not too sure about the, the sort of Elite-branded joystick, though. There are some pretty amazing-looking joystick kits out there. The X52 is one of them. Um, and I think maybe Elite is, is worth it, but most of the games I've played they haven't been. Uh, one thing I go back to the console side is I, I want to see how, without having an additional PC-style keyboard plugged in, how people with a console are going to type. I can't imagine trying to, to send a message to somebody by scrolling backwards and forwards through rows of, of non-QWERTY keys to, to get the message across. It just doesn't work. And I suppose in some way that's kind of negated by voice chat. But still, I'd like to be able to send a message to someone just before I leave the system that they can't respond to by sending a message out into the system. And I can't see you doing that on a console. Not without a keyboard, anyway. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for the second topic and, indeed, for this episode. Thanks very much for the guys for coming on board. Thank you very much to Martin, John, John, Kirk and Grant. Before we go, has anybody got anything they'd like to shout out? We'll start with you, Martin. No, just another shout-out for my fourth Down and Out podcast, which is all about fantasy NFL football. Great stuff. Mr. Virgo. 
I'd just say I'm sorry, Foz. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I'm cutting you out of this entire yeah, show okay, anyway, just because I'm jealous right, about you're... your Oculus Rift. <laughs> Mr. Staver, anything you'd like to shout out? Um, no. Kirk? Uh, only just that the, the journey so far through all of this has, has just been an amazing one, really. It, it's something I won't forget, no matter how good the game is going to be. I won't say how good or bad, because it's going to be good no matter what now. But um, it's just been an amazing ride so far. Finally, Grant. Yep, I just bring some attention to a project that I've been working on for a couple of weeks, um, the Thargoidenferdalance.com website, where we have mock-up live news broadcast that comes out weekly at the moment called uh, Barnstar News or BS News as we refer to it and it's full of really wonderful BS <laughs> So that's Barnstar News so no wonder you're so happy about the news feed <laughs> no, That's right, <laughs> it's going to be amazing I'm, I'm actually looking forward to trying to um, add that level of corruption to new players as they're in the game and, and just maybe you know being able to highlight a few people from the game experience that uh, we all have so you know you have that particular guy that's become the bit of the cyber bully flying around and griefing people and then I can out them on this little new show Fantastic. Okay, well, again, thank you to Martin, John, John, Kirk, and Grant. If you'd like to take part in the Conclave, then you can contact us on Facebook if you search for Lave Radio, or you can contact us on Twitter at Lave Radio, or if you just want to send us an old-school email, you can at info at Lave Radio. That's it for this episode. We will catch you next time. A debriefing, or that's not the right word, a, a, di- a disassembling of the video. Uh, that's not the right word, a, a sort of documentary sort of listing. Certainly, I think if the mission is just go out and shoot something that's inevitable, that if you hit it once, it's going to die, then at least it's done. Obviously, if you then... Sorry, did we lose you there? No, I, I lost my train of thought. Sorry about that. If Elite Dangerous wants to go mainstream, then I think it needs to appeal. <laughs> uh, guessing I should have muted Saved by the myself dog. there. Okay, we're talking about the hot ass uh, con- hot ass controller. That's not right. Is that your hot ass, Grant, or is that you linking us to more porn? No, no, that is definitely my hot ass. When I put the joystick in my wife's hand, her fingers naturally. <laughs> There's no way of saying it, it's not that. Uh, her fingers naturally found the buttons. It, it, it's so uh, wonderfully ergonomical. It's, not, it's even worse because nobody's able to see the picture that we're looking at. Uh. <laughs>